Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Also, as before we get into this, last week Christian spoke on, as we speak on our core values, two weeks ago I preached on why core values, and I'm going to just touch on it a little bit as we continue this morning. Why core values? What is values? As a church, we don't build on vision. We build on values. Our values determine our vision. Our vision don't determine our values. And I'll explain that now. Christian spoke last week on lordship, the missing link in Christianity. Can put it a little bit softer. The missing link in Christianity is lordship. Many people get saved because Jesus is the Savior. Many people get saved because we tell them Jesus loves you. And that is true, but it's not the full truth. He is not just the Savior, He's also Lord. You see, telling people that Jesus loves them is the good news. But how will you appreciate the good news unless you hear the bad news? You don't love Jesus. So unless you realize the problem is not with Jesus, the problem is with me, and I need nobody goes to a doctor unless you're sick. And you appreciate the doctor so much as you listen to the testimony this morning. When people get healed, you appreciate that so much more. Why? Because you've been seeing the value of death. If we help people, we think, people, are you okay? You okay? Just add Jesus to the package. Then you live like that whenever you determine how you serve Jesus. Lordship is the defining factor where you and I give our lives to Christ because he's Lord and we come under new management. We have somebody ruling over our lives and we have to submit to him. It challenges our rebellion. It challenges our independence. It challenges our self-defined Christianity, which is so needed in the times we live in. See, part of lordships, I want to encourage you, is that we focus on Jesus as Lord of our lives. I'm going to continue this morning with our value series, speaking on an act of love, speaking on the value we have for people. You'll find our core values as a family, the five core values is lordship, where we love and obey him. It's evangelism, which is a value for people. It's discipleship, is we value maturity, not just people getting saved, but people growing up to become all God's calling to be. As people grow up through discipleship, we value leadership. Leadership is how we develop people's specific gifts and skills and let that be utilized for the kingdom of God. And then the last value is we value family, natural and spiritual family. So why values? And please do, our sermons are all on Online now, we loaded them the, over the weekend, so they're all online. They will be weekly up about by Monday night. Our sermons will be up. Go and listen to why core values. I'm not going to repeat the message, but here's important. Core values are so important because they're the governing principles that determine every decision that you make. Mummies, if your daughter, your kid gets hurt in a kid's shoes right now, are you going to leave the service and go to your kid? Yes, why? Because you value your daughter. You see, your decisions exposes your values. It's not what we say. It's not, you see, a lot of people love building on, you know, the, 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 the intentions. The highway to hell is built on good intentions, never executed. 
All of us, you know, we judge people by their actions, but we want to be judged by our intentions. Now, intentions, it's not a value. See, core values is the decisions that you make, the things that you really value. See, when, before we were in Christ, we valued certain things, and therefore we made certain decisions, and those decisions led us on a certain road. When it comes to us coming to know Jesus Christ, it's more than just having a vision out there, but we still value the things of the world. No, it's a change of value. It's a change of system. It's a change of the way we think about things. And because we start to value other things, we then spontaneously start to make the right decisions because we value something. Core values are heartfelt, deep convictions, deep-seated standards that influence every aspect of our lives. Here's a Sunday morning. It's cold out there. You could easily lie in bed. Core values make you wake up. Core values make you get your kids ready. Core values make you make the, make the right decisions. And that's why it's so important. Core values drive our commitment. We never have a commitment problem. We have a value problem. Because people are always committed to what they value. So if you have wrong values, you'll commit to those things. And when we come to know Jesus Christ, where do we get our values from? We, from? we get our values from what we truly worship. When you look at somebody's decisions, you will see who he worships. Core values exposes our worship. And so I'm going to continue this morning with the value of evangelism. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. I'm just going to go through this passage step by step. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has come, gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a summary of the gospel. What a summary of why you and I can say, you are so good. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to unpack this this morning. And Lord, I pray as we open up the word of God that you would open up our hearts and give us the willingness to allow you to change us. Every one of us are living a lifestyle and we daily pass by people. I don't know about you, but there's something about calling salt roots. In the old, test, the old days, they had a salt root, which means this is the root of business. People, all the people were journeying on this route and on this route they would meet people and that's where they would do business. That's where they sold salt. <laughs> okay, salt was a commodity that they sold big time in the, those days. And a salt route is those natural journey that you do on a daily base, basis. I know for me on Monday mornings, I wake up, I take my kids to school early, and then I usually go to back. Then I, we have a staff meeting, and from there I go to this. Then I, we pick up Luca. 
On Tuesdays, they usually play a rugby game. At four o'clock, I go to the rugby game. I can tell you there's certain things I do every single week, and then there's moments that's open that other things happen. Some of you have some patterns. Sometimes you go to checkers. Sometimes you do this. There's certain roots. There's certain habits. There's certain things you do habitually on a weekly basis. Keep that in mind as we speak this morning. He says, so from now on, so from now on, what happened here? So from now on, it almost assumes something happened. You live like this, so from now on. It's a moment of change. It's a moment to embrace the new. Sorry. Something, there must be a moment where all of us have a so from now on. We can't just live like always. There must be a moment in our lives so from now on. Now that could be the moment of salvation. I pray this morning if you say it, that even this morning will be one of those so from now on moments. What happened here? For us to understand verse 16, we have to go back to verse 14 and 15. Here's what is the soul from now on? For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, what happened here? What brought the change? They came to a conviction of what Christ did for them. And because what Christ did for them, they had a radical change, not just of thinking, but also because of thinking, because of life flowed into lifestyle. You see, good thinking produces good lifestyle. When you have biblical thinking, you start to act biblically. You start to, our thinking is important. Suddenly they have an encounter with Jesus and they say the love of God compels them, which means there was a drive in their soul. They experienced love in such a way that it changes the way they think thereafter. There was something about God that they experienced. It was not law. It was not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees that have to do things. They hate it, but they have to do it, otherwise they feel guilty. No, something in their hearts changed. And suddenly, spontaneously, wow, you look at things differently. You see people differently. And you started to realize what's happening around you. That power of love started to change their actions. He says, we are convinced because of his death. Now, what is he saying? That he died and therefore all are dead. What is he saying here? The fact that Christ had to die for our sin immediately testifies and amplifies that all who've sinned are actually dead. You see, we need to realize, we need to come to the place that we realize we are not just busy with a Sunday religion. We're not just busy with another religion on the face of the earth like Islam and like Buddhism and all this. And there's all these kind of things right next to our house. There's a, um, um, uh, what's it? Um, Jehovah Witness little church there. And they're busy. When I drive past them, man, there's cars and a Saturday sun. And then you'll find if you go down to Olympus, you'll see they send three people awkwardly like this next to the street and waiting for people to speak to them. And sometimes they have a stand next to them, you know, and they go and they, they're busy, they're going for it, and they only 144 places, 144,000. So I kind of 
One day I said to the per- per- person, if I don't know how to respond, I may take your place. I mean, you see, but they're going for it. They really believe in this, what they're doing. And they are committed to it. How much more we who have the gospel, how much more we can look down on, I actually look at them and I respect their fervency, their commitment, even if they have wrong understanding. We as born again believers, if we don't come to the place where we realize I was the one who was dead, we could so easily get hanged up with all kinds of other personal things and bias and this and I don't like that and you know the guy speaks too loud and the bad is like this. You're missing the whole point. It's because Christ died for us. He found us in a deplorable condition, lost and undone, dead and ruined, no future. The only future is eternal damnation and hell. That's where Christ finds us. He died in our place. He paid the full penalty for us. And he says, because we understand what he did for us, because we were on a way, we were in bondage, and he freed us from this bondage. Because you're free, now you have a life to live. You're free, you can make choices. What kind of choices do you make? Value choices. That from now on. That from now on. See, if there's a past, there must be from now on. I don't live for myself anymore. I'm not about my own business. I'm not about my own schedules. I'm not about my own future. I'm not about my own investments. I no longer live for myself, but for him who died for me. See, that's only true for those who realize that you were dead and he made you alive. Now let's continue with the scripture. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What is he saying? He's, he's saying that we know that there was a price paid for another individual. And because of that price, how many of you will pay me a million rand for the cell phone? Million rand, million rand? You don't know what's on it. No, you won't. Why? It's not valued at a million rand. It's got a certain value. This laptop's got a certain value. There's water. How much will you pay me for this? Depends where you are. If you're in the desert, you may pay much. Value. Value. Five rand, six rand, eight rand. Some places just 20, 30 rand. You don't like that because it's overpriced. How do you know the value of something? You look at the value by what people are willing to pay for it. What is he saying? We no longer can look at people as if you are the one giving them value. The pride and arrogance in our soul where we devalue, invalue people and then we start to go into this thing where we come from a worldly point of view. Oh, that guy's valuable because he's got this. That guy's got value. Oh, he's not valuable because he doesn't have that. And we start to build up this old value system that is from the old world and we approach people from that and that nullifies our reaching out to people because we have a wrong value system. We are so influenced by the world and the worldly point of view how we look upon people. We don't see the potential in people. We don't see the potential. Where does all the problems come from? Gender problems, age problems, race problems. It comes from we're looking at people from a worldly point of view, not from Christ's eyes. 
We look at rank and title and lineage and superiority and riches and powers and intelligence and we're missing the point. It's a soul that Christ paid for. Though we once regarded Christ in the same way. What he's saying is, it's not just how we look upon people, but before you and I are born again, we didn't value Christ. I mean, you growing up at school is like, you know, that's, <laughs> it's like funny what those guys are doing. I don't know how you grew up. I was privileged growing up in an incredible good farmer's house where mom and dad loved Jesus from a young age. So I saw in my mom and dad the value for Christ in my home. Parents, your kids pick up Christ's value or not value in your home. Without what we say, how do I know my dad valued Christ? I can tell you so many things. I can see it, tell you how many times just prayed for us and showed us the power of prayer, how he lived, how he treated my mom, how he raised us as children. He valued it because he opened up the word of God and he taught us the word of God and he helped us to understand the word of God and he encouraged us to read the word of God. He valued it because we live on a farm 30 kilometers from Fixburg. We went to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. That is just what we did. Oh, but when we were kids, oh yeah, we sat on a carpet, on a piece of blanket. We went to church because my parents valued it. It's quick, how quick we find excuses. Yeah, no, no, I've got kids. And then if you have four kids, you're not in church for the next 10 years. Good luck raising them. I mean, it's uh, people, I mean, I remember years back in my estate, I was talking to somebody who was in our church and kind of knit one, slip one. And, uh, and he phoned me that week. He says, can I see you this week? I said, no, I don't have time this week. Because it was like the fourth, fifth time this happens. And he said, well, no, I need to see you. I said, I don't have time. Have time for the right things. And then he said, you know, let's have coffee. We sat down and we start talking. He says, why don't you have time? I said, because my values and your values differ. The things that you value, I'm not going to value that. I said, why are you so unfaithful to the gathering of the saints? Because it's not healthy for your soul. He said, well, yeah, but you know, there was, there was no power in our state. I said, that is the state that you and I live in together. My house also didn't have power. And yeah, but yeah, well, kids, oh, I also have kids. I said, you know what's the difference? The reason why I went is because I'm responsible and you're not. Because if you were responsible, you would have been there. The reason why many people are stuck in their ways is because they're irresponsible. They're not responsible yet. They're not taking up responsibility. Why? It's Christ's value. It's not obligation. It's not guilt trips. It's something that you find that is so valuable that motivates you on the inside. You want to do this. It goes on and says, therefore, I say, let's not view Christ in the same way. They should change the way we view Christ. And if Christ becomes important, then who Christ paid for and died for also becomes important. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Now he gets to the crux. He says, if you, now that you are in Christ Jesus, friends, have you thought about what is the benefit of us being in Christ Jesus? If the world had to stop tonight, today, and you are born again, you'll be forever with Jesus. What a privilege. 
Our guilt has been paid. I mean, not that we've done something. It's something about you and I. In Christ Jesus, we have protection. In Christ Jesus, we can go to God as a provider. It's not always maybe physical, but there's an emotional provision. There's a satisfaction you and I get in Christ. We have protection. We can look at the world and they can preach and speak gloom and doom. I mean, everything. And you and I can go to Christ because we have protection in Christ. There is a security that you and I find in our faith. There is a provision we find in our faith. There is a benefit and there's abundance in our faith in Christ Jesus. We have become beneficiaries of what Christ did for us. Because of his death and resurrection, a power was released that nothing should keep me in you trapped. We spoke about addictions. We spoke about, you can name it. Nothing can keep you trapped because the power of death was broken. And you and I can be free. That's in Christ Jesus. So we are saved. Our death penalty was paid. We are forgiven. Your guilt and shame was nailed to the cross. We are being sanctified, which means after salvation, we have the privilege of an ongoing process to become like our hero, Jesus Christ. Christians, our greatest vision in life is not what you achieve on earth. Our greatest vision in life should be who we become in Christ Jesus. When we get older, we should not get better. We should get better. We should become more humble, more teachable, not less teachable, less humble. We should be more committed, not less committed. We should grow into the image of Christ, not away from the image of Christ. That's sanctification. And because of that, godly fellowship follows this. But ultimately, it cannot stop with God follow fellowship. See, many people are faithful, but are they also fruitful? There's something about being fruitful that will motivate you in a way that nothing else will motivate you. It says, in Christ Jesus, there's new. What is this new? There must be a newness of identity. There must be a newness of priorities. Now, from now on, I have a new identity in Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, the old is done. Man, if you've got so much debt, and you know somebody pays it for you, and you don't have that debt anymore, there's a relief. There's a, thank you. Now that you're free from your debt, why are you going to make more debt? Now we live a new life and we start to journey. It's a new identity in Christ, which means when you're born again, you move over. My connect group this week, we've spoke about moving over from being a sinner to become saved, a saint. Even if it was in one minute you're a sinner, the next moment you gave your life to Christ, now you're a sinner. Are you now mature? No, you're not. A baby that is born that's two months old and a child that is 10 years old both are your children. They have just different levels of maturity. See, our identity is not linked to our maturity. Our identity is linked to our salvation. You are born again. You are now a new creation. In Christ, you are new. And you say, Lord, because I think right, I am new. I see the old. And what we do in Christ is we become more new every day because already in Christ, we've been given the ability to become new. Years back, there was a sculpture working on this big piece of rock. And it was chiseling away things. And people said, what are you doing? He says, you'll see. And after a few months, they saw this beautiful horse. Beautiful horse. He said, how did you get that right? He says, easy. I was daily sitting and just chipping away all the rocks that did not look like a horse. 
You see, identity is you were born on the rock of Christ. You are born again. And daily, if you allow God, he's chiseling away everything that doesn't look like him. You're not trying to become somebody. You are somebody, therefore you change. If you're a born again believer, you're on a lifelong journey of change. Welcome to Christianity. That's why you involve people in your life. That's why you involve the word of God in your life. You see, that's the sanctification process that continues here. And because we become more like Jesus, the more we become more like him, the more we start to value what he values. The more we start to prioritize what he prioritizes. The more we start to see people through his eyes. How did Jesus see people? The Pharisees looked at people as people, a crowd they can control, that they benefit from. Jesus looked at the crowd as a crowd that's in desperate need for their salvation and not what he benefits from. He laid down his benefits and he died for them. That's the opposite of Christ. He became a servant of sinners. And therefore we are reconciling Christ. All this is from God to reconcile us in himself through Christ. You and I, have been saved from that damnation. If we're not born again, you know, that's where your future is. But now because you're born again, you've been saved into Christ. And because of that, what's the result? It's a response of thankfulness. It's a response of relief. Thank you, God. I know we have got challenges on earth, but if Christ comes today, those challenges will disappear and you'll go to heaven if you're born again and if you put your faith in Christ. That already is being reconciled with him. Now, if you reconcile with God, you're born again. You say, I'm a born again Christian, a believer. It's so important that we understand the following verses. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. So that in him we may become the righteousness of God. What is he saying? Imagine you have a friend that found a way and somebody that was willing to say, I will pay all your debt, your house debt, your car debt, every debt, all your accounts. I'll cancel all your debts. I just need to meet your friend. And you know that as a friend, that he's willing to pay your friend's debt. And you say to your friend, I'm not gonna tell you. I know your debt can be paid. I'm not gonna tell you. How will you feel if you found out your friend knew all the way, all along, that your debt can be paid and he knows who will pay it, but he's not willing to tell you? How will you feel about that friend? Let me give you reality here. Your debt has been paid. If you are in Christ Jesus, your shame, your guilt, your past sin, be you not, even your future sin, Everything was paid by Christ in full. You and I were on the death row, on our way to death row to be nailed for our own sin. It had to be done because God is righteous. He has to punish sin. Whom of you in our nation wish that our government will come bring people to trial and will judge the guilty and put them on trial and actually give them a sentence so we can trust the government? Whom of you would like to see that? We do want to see that. We want to see things. That's wrong. That should not happen. And because there is no righteous judgment, people keep on doing what they want to do. You agree with me? We want to see judgment happen. 
What happens when there's no judgment? You don't trust. If God does not punish our sins, you will not trust him. Even if you don't like the judgment, you will not trust God. He has to punish sin. If he doesn't punish sin, he's no more holy. If he's no more holy, he's no more loving. If he's no more loving, he's no more trustworthy. God must punish sin. And guess who's the guilty? That's not the taxi. It's not the person next to me. It's me. I'm the guilty one. And Christ paid for your guilt. Christ paid the full bill. Complete full bill. Not just for you, but for every single open seat in this place. And many more. See, in Him, we find not only our freedom, but we also find our future. We find our responsibility. We find our mission. Oh, Phil, but I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a this. Let me tell you, friends, I have never met a lawyer who makes disciples. I've never met a farmer who makes disciples. In fact, I've met a, met, never met a Kosa or an Afrikaans person who makes disciples. I've never. I've only met disciples who make disciples. The rest have excuses. See, if your occupation is defining your identity, you'll have a major challenge to become obedient to Christ. Your salvation defines your occupation and not your occupation, your salvation. I am in Christ Jesus, therefore I'm born again and I work in a law firm as a lawyer, but I'm actually a disciple who works in a law firm. I'm a disciple who operates as a doctor. I'm a disciple who works in a school. I think different. I'm here on a mission. I have new priorities. I am focused on what God has called me to do. I am salt and light. Wherever I go, it's not two different worlds. It's not separate dualism. It is one world that I'm living in. I'm a born again believer, forgiven of much, and because I I've been given so much, I have a new mission on earth, is to go and tell others, your debt has been paid. Is that not the good news? The whole world needs to know somebody already paid for your debt. The broken relationships, all of that can be restored if we just see the power of this. But that's not my calling for. Have you ever thought really what you're calling you see, it's important we understand, he says here, and those who are in Christ Jesus, if you're born again, he's given you, gave you the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You see, if you are in Christ Jesus, your calling is to be on a mission. You cannot separate us two. And that's not an obligation. That's actually the single thing that Satan wants to keep away from you. Because the moment you get excited about fruit, you'll be more faithful. But unless you're excited about fruit, you will battle with faithfulness. They can't separate them. They work together. See, when we start to become fruitful, we start to experience God in different ways. People's lives around you. Let me tell you, more of some of my best friends are people that I've reached out to, led to Christ, and today I'm a beneficiary of the fruit of God. My own wife, I had the privilege of lead to Christ. How's that for beneficiary? I mean, there's something about friendships and relationships and meaning of life. Why do you want to make money? How much money? Where is money enough? 
What's the title? What's that position that you want? Once you got that, then what? Now, then I'll use it for God. Friends, if you build a habit of 10, 15 years, and then you get there, your habit will just sustain. You won't change your habit. You will live by that same habit that got you there. Unless you change your habit when you get saved and you start to align your life with Christ. Let me, friends, we are not ashamed of the gospel that's inside of us. I'm not ashamed of the guilt and the things that it was paid for and I'm being set free and I live a new life. I have a life to live. When I stand next to the rugby fields and I look at parents around me going on tours and I think, you're 50 years old, but you still live like a student. You speak like a student. You make jokes like a student. You drink like a student. When are you gonna? And I realize they need Jesus. I'm not better. I'm not sitting here judging. I'm sitting there deliberately making friends. Why? Because I have a person who can pay your debt. I have the answer to your battles. I'm not judging where you are because that is where you should be if you're in sin. But there is a different lifestyle than living the way you live. There's a different lifestyle than having the impact on your marriage the way you have now. The way you raise your children, they look at you and that's their future. Can we change that but bring Christ into your life? For when you're in Christ, there you're a new creation. Your old things have passed away. There's a new lifestyle ahead of you. We are not playing religion. The world needs us to start to acknowledge and realize what we have in Christ. And because it's so precious a value, we want to give it freely to other people. This is not a message of compulsion. It's actually a message of attraction because of what Christ did for us. He says, because you have been a recipient of his message, now you have become a messenger with the same message so that others can benefit from you. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Christ's ambassadors. Prof. Chris, where are you? I would have loved to hear because you work with ambassadors. I think he's at the kids' church. He works with ambassadors all the time. And you think about an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody who's appointed by the nation, representing that nation in another nation, and they are they therefore to protect and to actually expose the benefits of that nation in another nation. So that nations are attracted to that nation. They align themselves with that nation's purpose. And they are totally committed to the nation they're representing. You're only an ambassador because you represent something else. You're not an ambassador just because you're an ambassador. Ambassador means you are representing something else. That's normal ambassadors. He speaks on behalf of his country, presents the interests of his country to attract people to the country. What is a kingdom ambassador? We prioritize the kingdom and God's affairs above our own affairs. You're an ambassador in your business. You're an ambassador in your family. We're ambassadors when we stand next to the rugby fields. We're ambassadors when we're in gym. You're an ambassador when you stand in a queue at spa. We're ambassadors. You're an ambassador at all time. You not only represent Christ, you also have to learn to present Christ. We are from another nation. Kingdom nation. We're from another tribe. We're from another world. We live here as aliens. We're representing another kingdom. Born again believers, we are not from this world. We represent something else. We're representing a kingdom that other people are attracted to. And we're inviting people to put their interest in this other kingdom and this other king. You are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You are the sent one on a mission to represent and present God well. 
Let me conclude with this. Why evangelism? Why reaching out to people? We say we value evangelism, but we actually are valuing people, therefore do evangelism. And the way we love people, the way we care about people. Many years back, I was driving home. I lived in Fixburg, small little town. And on my way home, it's like 10.30 at night, I saw this one guy's motorcycle standing next to the hotel, and God says, turn around, go to this guy. And it's 10.30 at night, and I kind of wrestled, wrestled, wrestled with God. And sadly, I disobeyed. I went to bed, woke up the next morning, and he passed away in a motorcycle accident that night. Now, I'm no more feeling guilty because I asked God's forgiveness, but I was disobedient. And something that night happened in my heart. I said, Lord, please help me. I know I'm human, and I don't always make the right decisions. But I don't think I've placed the value in this man's soul more than my own comfort in my bed. I've missed it many times. I live in a state and around me there are people who don't know Jesus. And reaching out and praying for them and say, Lord, how can I be an instrument? Standing next to people in the spa, looking around us, how do we see people? Why did we plant the church? This is really not about having a Moikloof church, to be honest. So as you come, sorry to burst that bubble. We've planted this church for the unsaved and the unchurched. We're not here to say, can Doxa Day, who's just down the street, and Moroleta and Frisiai, can they people come to our church and then we feel good? We're not into transfer. God can add people, that's his choice. But our main focus is how many people today do not know their debt has been paid. How many people do not know Jesus? How many people do not know what's the way out? And the only way they will know if an ambassador will pitch up in front of their face and say, let me introduce you to another kingdom. Let me introduce you to another king. Oh, but that's the evangelist's job. Now, the evangelist's job is to equip the saints for their work of ministry, Ephesians 4. So the evangelist is there to equip non-evangelists so that you can evangelize. That's biblically accurate. And if you are not salt and light, then you should get born again. And if you're born again, you are salt and light. You see, oh, but theology, see, what is theology? Theology is an accurate study of who God is. Now, you can't study him directly because he's not sitting in front of you, but you study the word of God. You study people. And that means if you study and you want to become more like God, what is it? It's every Christian, not just some people. The question is not if you do this, you do theology. If you're a Christian, you do theology. You study God. The question is, are you doing a good job of it or a bad job of it? It's not if. So when we think about evangelism, we think about a half people. Find your salt roots. Think about Tuesday afternoon. This afternoon it's rugby, okay? They're going to play. I'm going to see those same parents again. Out of the 10, 20 parents, find maybe one that is more open and go and stand next to them every time they feel, how are you doing? How's your business? How's your kids? Oh, you said your wife was sick. Is she okay now? And you care, and you care, and then you make, can we have coffee? And as you make coffee, they start to engage. As you engage, it's not that difficult. You know how you start a whole engaged conversation? Hi, what is your name? What do you do? Where are you from? And then you talk. And then you say, do you believe in spiritual things? Tell me about that. Are you a Christian? Great, help me. I want to become a Christian. Can you help me? 
I haven't been haunting for them, but I mean, I've done that before. But you, you start a conversation. You start to befriend people. You start to ask questions. If somebody's really anti it close, hey, God bless you. Keep on praying for them. I move to the next parent. I can tell you how many parents from Tegerpoort is in our church today because of the last 15 years. We were in this school. We had one there for seven years, and now the next one is there for seven years. So that's our mission field. Friends, a soul truth is those patterns you do. Stand at the tall. Why don't you greet the lady behind the tall? Look at her. What's your name? Next, tomorrow, buy your milk from the same lady and ask her again and speak to her and pray for her. Let's become wise in how we conduct our lives. Think about people you see on Facebook. All of you have relationships. Why don't you just become relational, intentional? Care for them. Have coffee with them. Start to invite them. It's not a daunting task. And then when you learn more and more, how do I share the gospel? Take your one-to-one. Read the scriptures. It's simple. Just take it and then start to learn to do this because God's given us a heart. Why do we do this? Why do we face our fears and insecurities? Because you are valuable. Your soul is valuable. Who led you to Christ? I guess... You have a mom or grandmother or somebody prayed for you, but somebody shared the gospel with you and you gave your life to Jesus. What was his personality? Oh, you don't know. Yeah, you didn't care. You just cared about the fact that you gave your life to Christ. Personalities does not save people. The gospel saves people. Therefore, introvert, extrovert, anybody can share the gospel. God uses your personality as a channel by which he shares his gospel. I know it's daunting. There are moments where God says, go to this person, Lord, I don't know this guy. I have to face false insecurities. But because I've seen so many times the benefit of people getting saved after you're obedient, after you walked up to them. There are so many testimonies I can share with you. So what we're gonna do today, all of you have been given a little card. We call it the VIP card. Vision, impartation, and prayer. Engage card. Would you take it out? On that card is space. On that card is a space for names and nations. Now, why we do this card? We want to help you to become more intentional embracing this value. One of the ways you build the value is you start to intentionally start to grow that. You discipline yourself. Would you be willing to write down at least three names of people that you are on your soul roots or maybe people the Holy Spirit tells you today about, that in proximity, pray for your sister or your brother or your friend in Australia, keep on praying for them, but we also want you to have people that you're in proximity with that you can start to have coffee with. Would you put down three names? And would you keep that business card in your wallet? In the mornings when you wake up, pray for those names. At night, pray for those names. As a family, we start to pray for those names. And then you say, Lord, out of these three names, Help me with who should I start to engage with? Have coffee. Invite them over for rugby. Not the last last, right snappy. We should have won. But I mean, start to have relationship with them. And then maybe invite them to church. Maybe invite them to a small group. Maybe ask them, how are you doing spiritually? Would you like to grow with us? Friends, if all of us are reaching out to one person next six months, in six months we will be double the amount of people here. It's not about the amount of people here. It's about us getting people into God's kingdom.
and becoming more intentional. Would you put your hand on that card and we're gonna pray that God will give you names and then please do put down one nation you pray for. Find a nation in Africa, find a nation in Europe and start to pray for them. Father, we thank you as we pray for these names. Would you remind us of those that you already paid their price? You already paid their debt, but they don't know it and we know it. Lord, I pray this morning, would you encourage every one of us to become not just faithful, but more fruitful in the way we care about and reach out to people. I ask you now, Lord Jesus, would you remind us, give us those names, and now we pray for those names. Lord, we pray, prepare their hearts. Prepare them, Father, for the gospel, and give us the courage to go to them and share with them the good news. I thank you for every person sitting here this morning. Lord, that they will be fruitful in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Hey.